All right, guys, welcome to Real Life Talk. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're not subscribed on one of the podcast platforms to Real Life Talk or on the Facebook page or the YouTube channel or wherever, it's the easiest way for you to get connected with this stuff. I really encourage you to go ahead and get subscribed somewhere. I've got some awesome, awesome interviews and conversations coming out throughout the month of January and beyond. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for being a part. As we jump into this new year, there's something that's just been on my heart. And the Lord started to, to really talk to me about this midway through December. And this one weekend where we went, we traveled uh, back to Alabama to be with our uh, Mobile, Alabama congregation for a uh, Christmas party, end of the year Christmas party celebration on December 17th. And so that was a Sunday. And it was on that Friday and then throughout the weekend that the Lord just started speaking to me. And I just kept hearing him consistently just say one word. <clears throat> and, and, and I just kept hearing him say the word attitude. And so after several times of just hearing him say the word to me, attitude, I was like, okay, God, what are you saying? And so I started to pull out some scripture and I started to look through some verses that were just kind of coming to my heart as I was thinking and just kind of pondering over this word attitude. What are you trying to say, Lord? And so I, I found some scripture and, and I started thinking about it. I shared, ended up sharing uh, briefly with our a church congregation that Sunday evening, just for a couple of minutes on what I, I felt like the Lord was saying in terms of attitude. And I think the reason why he brought this up is because when we're talking about just uh, oftentimes when we, when we're ending a year, beginning a new year, I think it's kind of normal. It's kind of human nature to start thinking about new seasons, to start thinking about goals, to start planning, to start doing things like this, you know, maybe practically for you, depending on what kind of job you have or what you're involved in, or if you're in ministry or whatever the case may be, you may have to do those things. You may have to start planning things out and calendarizing things and that sort of thing. Just thought about it. I didn't share this somewhere where I was supposed to. Give me just a second. Okay, so it's it's kind of human nature, though, right? We do the resolution thing and and whatever whatever you're you're into on that. I don't really personally like the the resolution thing a whole lot. Just for me, it has never it was never like super helpful. What I see oftentimes when we set resolutions is that we set a resolution and then we begin to do those things. Maybe we do them for a few days, for a week, for a month, for whatever. But oftentimes what I see, at least what I've seen in my life and with a lot of people connected to me, is that those resolutions, we tend to forget about them quickly and then we go back to the way that things were. And so if resolutions work for you, absolutely do them, keep doing them. But for me, it wasn't super helpful. So I'm not personally super into the New Year's resolution thing, quote unquote. But something that we do uh, as a church family and, and as, a, as a family, something that we do every single year, we've done it for several years now, every year as we kind of get toward the end of the year that we're in, we do start to seek the Lord and to seek his direction for the next year. Now, a lot of times we already know, we already have ideas of what we're supposed to be doing. It's not that we're drastically resetting everything every single year. But we do recognize that even though God has given us a maybe sort of a grand picture, a grand design for the things that we're supposed to be doing and going after, uh, for me, it's always just been helpful to find out specifically, okay, God, what are you saying for this season? 
and part of that is, you know, it might be mindset stuff. It might be things just in my thinking that need to shift or to realign or to readjust or whatever. And then there's also going to be some practical things to do to accomplish. And so oftentimes uh, we'll use that as sort of, you know, with what God is saying, then we'll kind of partner with what God is saying to say, okay, well, if God is saying this, let's put some practical steps or some even deadlines and things like that into this so that we can say, this is something that I want to have done by the end of the first quarter of the year, or by the end of uh, the second quarter or whatever it might be. And so we kind of get practical with things and we get, we begin to plan things out. Now, inevitably, those plans don't always come to fruition. Sometimes things go quicker than we anticipated. Sometimes they go slower. Sometimes they're setbacks. Sometimes we realize we have to move this to here, or maybe we even have to carry this thing over into next year because we didn't have time to get to it or whatever. So the goal planning resolutions, whatever it is that you do, don't get so shackled to those things. This is just my advice. Uh, don't get so shackled to those things that you allow them to become burdensome or that you allow them to you know, I think sometimes when we when we want to accomplish something and then we don't see it pan out fully the way that we wanted it to or that we hoped it would or that we thought it should or the way that God showed it to us or whatever, I think we can fall into shame or guilt or condemnation over those things. And that is never the will of God. It's never the will of God for you to become burdened in a negative sense, right? Like to become burdened in terms of condemnation by something that he's leading you into. And so I just pray that you would be free from anything like that this year. If last year was like, you just look at it and you feel it was just full of setbacks and full of things that didn't happen that you wanted to happen and whatever, I just pray that you would be just free from that. <laughs> I'm just looking at some crazy comments coming in right now. Thank, thanks for those comments. I want to talk about attitude because I feel like whatever we're doing, whatever we're going after, whatever we are uh, going going toward with the things of God for our lives, that our, our attitude becomes really, really essential. So let, let me just start here. Let me start with, um, where did I want to start? Yeah, I just want to read one verse out of Romans chapter 14. So Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's a really important kind of foundational verse talking about the kingdom of God. And so Paul is saying the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So look, you don't have to go along with what I'm with what I'm going to say right now. But this is something, when I think about the breakdown of that verse and those three words, righteousness, peace, and joy, this is something for me that's been helpful just in my own mind, the way that I think about those words as they relate to walking in the kingdom, responding to the invitation of Jesus to live in, to walk in the 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 kingdom, the, the way of the kingdom, the lifestyle of the kingdom in connection with the spirit of God. So he says, again, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when I look at those three words, first of all, righteousness, righteousness is our position. It's our right standing with God, but not just our right standing with God. It's our right standing in God, our right standing in Christ, 
you are one with God. You are one with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so it's our position that we have. And this position of righteousness that you and I have with God in Christ, it's not based on your ability to do all the right things. It's not based on my ability to not sin. It's not based on my ability to whatever. It's based on the finished works of Jesus. And to me, that's really, really good news. And it's the most important thing in my world because that means that when I mess up, when I miss the mark, when I sin, when I sin, when I blow it, I don't lose my righteousness. I don't fall out of relationship with God. I don't fall out of right standing with God. I, I don't. Because it was never based on my ability to do all the right things in the first place. It was based on what Jesus did for me. How did that happen? Well, Jesus' righteousness became my righteousness. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> Jesus came into this world and he lived the perfect sinless life that I was unable to live. And he did it for me. He did it in my place. He did it in your place. And when he gave his life in your place and in my place, what he did was he brought us into relationship with the father. And it's not based on anything that I've done or you've done. We've received Christ. That's all we did. That's all we did was receive what he did for us. We received his free gift of salvation and eternal life. And so we are in this position of righteousness where we get to stand in and live in and operate in the kingdom of God from a position of righteousness. That's really important. It's really important. I haven't gotten to the, I'm going to get to the attitude part in a minute, but it's that right there is foundational for how we live, for how we think, for the, the attitude that we, that we walk in. Because if I'm walking through life thinking that it's all based on me and that every time I mess up that I'm disappointing God or that I'm falling out of relationship with God or that I've got to constantly get it right and all this kind of stuff, then what I'm doing is I'm spending a whole lot of time, a whole lot of emotional effort, a whole lot of spiritual effort in doing something that he's already done for me. And he did it once and for all so I don't have to be in this place of fear or condemnation because I, I, I feel like I'm not measuring up. And so positionally, we have this, this right standing with God. We have this right standing in Christ where God has said, I'm going to bring you in through the blood of my son, and I'm going to make you righteous. And so we have this position of righteousness that we live in and that we operate from. The next word there is the word peace. So the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy. When I think about that word peace, what I think about is mindset. Or to take it back a little bit even further from mindset, it's like the operating system that I, that I live from. And the desire of God is that you and I would operate from a constant position of peace, from a mindset of peace, that that, that would be the thing that governs our lives. I, I love what Colossians chapter three, is it Colossians chapter three, verse 15, I believe it is. Um, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule. I love that verse so much because that word rule means to, it's like an umpire calling the shots. Let the peace of God call the shots 
in your life. And this is the only time that that word is used this way in scripture where the Lord actually gives the authority over to, in this case, peace. In other words, peace is the only thing sanctioned by God in scripture that's given these terms where it says, let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God be in charge to call the shots. You know, if you think about an umpire in any kind of sporting event, particularly, you know, you think about an umpire in a baseball game, the the home plate umpire is there with like ultimate authority on the field. You know, I've seen umpires throw players out, throw managers out, coaches like just because they get they get heated and they start, you know, yelling or, or doing whatever. Like the umpire is there to essentially keep the the peace, to keep the stability of the game, to keep things moving and functioning properly. That's the result of peace in our lives. And like so much of your world, so much of life is endeavoring to disrupt your peace, to get you out of that position of peace, to get you out of that position of alignment with God, where you're operating from that place of rest. You're operating from that place of confidence. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that Christ is our peace. So peace is personified in scripture as the person of Jesus. So that means that peace is not just this emotional thing. Peace is actually the presence of Jesus. Peace is a person. So if Christ is my peace, then when I get out of alignment with peace, then I'm actually operating according to an anti-Christ mindset or agenda. Like I'm operating according to something that is outside of the realm of what God is desiring for me and the way that the Spirit of God is actually leading me. So the Bible says that, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The Bible calls him the God of peace. Jeremiah tells us that he's brought us into a covenant of peace. So the way that the kingdom of God works, the way that heaven operates is from an atmosphere of peace. It's who God is. It's what God does. He's one of his names in the, the messianic uh, prophecy pointing pointing ahead to Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 is he's the prince of peace. What that really means is that he's an expert at peace. Peace is who God is. Peace is what God does. And so when I am misaligned in this area of my life and I'm out of peace and I'm not operating according to peace, I believe it's actually an identity issue. Because in order for me to be out of peace, what I'm doing is I'm actually operating from lack. And in Christ, there is no lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I shall not lack. He is my shepherd. He leads me perfectly. He guides me perfectly. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Everything he does is right. His leadership is absolutely perfect in my life. And so when I start dealing with things like we all deal with, whether we're talking about pain or tragedy or trauma, 
some kind of difficulty. We're disappointed in something that didn't work out. We're dealing with something in our lives. And when that thing begins to derail us and we begin to get outside of the, the function of God's peace, then we're actually partnering with something that's inferior to the, the, the leadership and authority that, that God wants to have in our lives. Now, look, I am not, by the way, talking about like you get bad news and your peace gets disrupted. Like I'm not talking about something happens, something tragic happens or or like I'm, I'm not talking about something that happens and you have this momentary, whether that's a moment or if it's an hour or a day or whatever, but you have this momentary emotional struggle or you have this, this uh, brief season of confusion or something. I'm not, I'm not talking about that because we all deal with emotions and there's nothing unchristian or unscriptural about getting emotional when something goes wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But it just it does become problematic when we begin to partner with that thing, when we begin to partner with that lack of peace and that lack of peace actually becomes a mode of life and we begin to go in that direction. That's where we really get into trouble because then we begin to operate from a different mindset. We begin to have a, it's like a different operating system that's controlling us, whether it's anxiety or depression or fear or anger or confusion or whatever it might be. But we end up coming under a, a mindset or operating according to a mindset that is not leading us the way that God would have us go. And because peace is not an emotion, but peace is actually the person of Jesus. That means that the kind of peace that God gives, it's possible to operate in that peace even when externally things are disrupted and in turmoil and chaos. So look, again, you know, you get a piece of bad news or you, you find out that something tragic happened or whatever. It's like completely normal to have that 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 mind battle to have that that emotion well up within you emotions are good emotions are are from god but what we've got to learn how to do is to just bring that back into alignment with god's way of thinking and god's way of leading us so the word peace in the New Testament, like when it says Christ is our peace in Ephesians chapter 2, that word peace there is actually, it's a Greek word, eirene. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly or not. But it means to set at one again. To set at one again. So if you think about this, it's like this divine reset for our minds when things are running out of control, when things are spiraling, when there's chaos, when there's confusion, when there's fear, when there's whatever that's going on around us, and we begin to get derailed in our thinking, Christ is our peace. Christ is the one who sets all of the chaos at one again. And so when I make the decision in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that conflict, when I make the decision 
to bring my thinking into alignment with who he is, then peace can be restored. I can have internal peace. I can have rest in God, even when externally there's all kinds of unrest or challenges or problems or whatever taking place. And so it's not to belittle or to diminish the the the, the pain or the suffering that anybody um, might be going through, the, the challenges that that we experience in different ways and different levels throughout the course of our lives, right? Like we all have things that we experience. And so it's not to diminish those things. Peace is not pretending that, 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 that those things don't exist. That's not helpful. It's not helpful to act like this thing didn't happen. It's, it's not helpful to just pretend that something is not there that is. That's not helpful. It, it's not about denying the existence of conflict, denying the existence of a problem. It's not that. But it is coming to that place in our thinking where we deny the influence of that problem to take us out of the peace that God has established for us to live in. He's invited us into a lifestyle of peace. And it's not based on our ability to think good thoughts, right? Like there's an element of that that could be helpful. There's an element of that that's helpful sometimes. I mean, the Bible even invites us in Philippians chapter 4 in this passage on the, the peace of God that surpasses our understanding. It says, think on these things. Think on things that are lovely. Think of things that are virtuous. Think of things that are good report, that are praiseworthy. Like, think about, meditate on these things. Like, what, what does that really mean? To, to, to meditate is, it's the that internal thinking machine of our mind that is just constantly going, constantly thinking about something. And we could go an entire day just meditating or thinking about all kinds of negative things. We can think about what's lacking. We can think about all the problems that we have. We can think about all of these negative things that are going on in our lives so much to the point that we just get, we feel stuck. We feel trapped. But he invites us to think on these things. Think on these things that are lovely. Think on these things that are true. These things that are praiseworthy. Why? Because the the what I'm directing my focus toward really matters. Because it really affects my attitude. It really affects my thinking. It affects my behavior. It affects my ability to live in partnership with the Spirit of God. Because if my mind is so focused on these problems and these challenges that I'm facing, I'm going to miss so many things. I'm going to miss opportunities. I'm not even going to see them. And some things are going to come my way. I'm going to see them and I'm going to dismiss them because I'm going to think, I don't have time for this because I'm dealing with this. I'm so busy putting out these fires that I don't have time to think about the bigger picture of my destiny. I don't have time to think about the bigger picture of the, the things that God has spoken to me about for this year. And so I end up getting derailed. And I mean, that's what the enemy wants. That's the goal of just so much of the negative experiences of life that you and I have. Just so much of it is just aimed at getting you off track. So much of it is just aimed at getting you to focus on something else other than the big picture or the, the goal or whatever it is that you're going after. And the peace of God 
will always bring your mind back into that place of oneness, that place of stability. I love just the the imagery of scripture. My chair keeps like going down. I love the imagery of scripture, how it talks about the, the peace of God really in connection with our feet or our stance or our stability. Like, for example, I'm not going to go through all the scripture, but in the armor of God in Ephesians chapter six, the peace is one of the weapons, but it's the preparation of the gospel. Excuse me. It's having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So sometimes they'll usually in like children's church or whatever, they'll distill that down to like the sandals of peace or whatever. But the idea is if we're looking at the imagery that they're probably using there of a Roman soldier, traditionally in those days, the Roman soldier, they wore their footwear, it was some kind of a sandal, their footwear on the bottom of the, of the footwear, there were these spikes that were designed to dig into the ground to give them a firm footing if the enemy was coming against them to push them back. And so peace is connected with this idea of stability. God wants us operating from a place of stability that doesn't come from our ability to do all the right things and make all the right decisions and whatever. Because ultimately, we're all going to make our own mistakes of course. And also life is going to happen. And also other people are going to do things that hurt us, that can distract us, that can cause us pain and whatever. Like there's all kinds of stuff that's going to come at you as you're walking through life, as you're going toward the promises of God for your life. There's all kinds of things that are going to come your way. And so God is like, I want you to be prepared. I want you to have your, your feet prepped with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want you to operate from this place of peace so that when the problems and the conflicts come your way, you've got this sure footing that says, I'm not going to be moved. Yeah, I'll be affected. Yeah, there'll be things that that do you know get me uh, emotional or do cause me some challenges where I do have to take a day off or take a week off or take a season off or whatever the case may be. Like there's going to be things that happen, but I'm not going to be so derailed by the circumstances and the challenges of life that I begin to go in a direction that's opposite to where God is leading me. And so it's that stability that comes from recognizing that we're one with God in Christ. And and e even in that Philippians chapter 4 passage, it's the peace of God that surpasses understanding. It's the peace of God that goes beyond our ability to understand or comprehend. When we start talking about God's peace in our lives, it's not something that we conjure up in our own strength. It's so much more than an emotion because oftentimes it doesn't even make sense. It's like the kind of peace that I'm experiencing right now doesn't even make sense because it seems like everything is going wrong. But because my peace is based on the person of Jesus, my, it's, it's the nature of who God is. He is my peace. Then I can stand in that place of 
of of abundance. I can stand in that place of stability. I can stand in that place of rest, regardless of what's coming at me and what's going on around me. And then so it's the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that last uh, piece of, of that puzzle there, not puzzle, puzzle is not the right word, but you get what I'm saying. The last element there is, is joy. And when I think about joy, I really think about attitude. I really think about the attitude of my heart. Um, because it's so easy. It's so easy to get derailed by challenges and the things that aren't going right that we can allow just so much negativity or frustration or whatever it is, so many things can begin to take over. And I think that oftentimes walking in joy is a decision. Like it's a choice that we make. Now, there are definite circumstances that can come my way that bring me joy. Like when I f first see my my little girl in the morning, there's actually there's an anticipation there. Like when I wake up and 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 I'm getting ready to go to go see usually I'm I'm up before she is and I don't want to wake her up prematurely because it is nice having a you know a little bit of quiet in the morning. But even that like when I'm in that process of waiting to like okay is it is it time to go wake her up? Is it time to go that sort of thing. There's like this anticipation. And, and when I, when I see her and she smiles and she says, daddy, like there's a joy that is brought to my heart. That's very much affected by the circumstances that I'm in. But also like I can very much choose to be stuck in my own world with just thinking about the problems that I'm dealing with and the challenges and the things that are not going right. And I can very easily miss that moment. And I think that we, we often miss out on the joy of the moments that we're in when we are again, you know, struggling with something in our mind that we just can't seem to get past. And, I, you know, I think that this idea of, of, of me operating in this attitude of joy, like James chapter 1 verse 2 is one of the most annoying verses in the Bible, I think. James chapter 1 verse 2, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces produces patience count it all joy when you fall into various trials like that's that's nuts that statement right there count it all joy so when i fall into a trial when whatever it is you know if if you get a a, a negative report from the doctor if your finances are in shambles if your relationships are screwed up whatever it is when you're in various trials whatever kind of trials you're going through count it all joy. 
Now, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to look at our circumstances and pretend that they're not happening or pretend that they're not real. I think I already mentioned that. We're not supposed to look at our circumstances and just pretend they're not, that they're not real. And I don't think that God is even looking for us to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this trial that I'm going through. Thank you for this problem. Thank you for this challenge. Thank you for that bill that just came out of nowhere. Thank you for like, no, like that's ridiculous. God's not looking at us to, to, to say, thank you for this lawsuit that, that just, that I just got slapped with and no, but it's in the midst of those circumstances to be thankful in the midst of those circumstances to be joyful. Like, let's find a way to be joyful. Let's find a way to adjust our attitude to come into alignment with the way that God thinks and the way that God sees things so that we're not stuck in this place where we're not stuck in a, a pity party or we get stuck in this whatever it might be. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So look, this is these circumstances are, are not good and I don't like them. But if I keep my attitude right, then the result of this is that this is actually going to end up producing something good in my life. It's going to produce in me more strength. It's going to produce in me more patience, more endurance. It's going to produce something good in me that's going to make me better. Now, look, we can negatively interpret this and we can assume that because the trial came my way, then that means that God allowed it. And transitive properties, if God allowed it, then that means that God must be behind it, that it's God's will. Look, all kinds of things happen in your life and my life that are not the will of God. Like there are all kinds of things that happen in this world that are not the will of God. And it is not good theology to say that just because something happened, that it was God's will. Like that was a very kind of like medieval Christian way of thinking about things. But I think that in a lot of ways, that kind of thinking has, has come over or it's, it's stayed part of our kind of Christian mindset in, in a lot of ways. But to say that, oh, well, you know, whatever it was, we're talking about an earthquake that happened that devastated towns and villages and there was a, a massive loss of life or from talking about, you know, my car breaking down and, you know, the more mundane kinds of daily things that happen, whatever we're talking about for me to just assume that because that thing happened, it must have been God's will. Like that's not good theology. Jesus said, it is not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When he said that people were dying in their sin, they were perishing and they were not coming to repentance. And of course that's still happening today. So even though it was his will that people not perish in their sin, but that all come to repentance, it was his will as much then as it is now. And it's, not happening. I mean, it's happening for some, but it's not happening for many, many others. That's not God's will. It's not God's will. And there's all kinds of things that happen 
in our lives, things happen to us. And I don't know how to explain how these things happen or why these things happen or whatever. And frankly, you know, it's not my job and it's not your job to try and explain why these negative things happen. Like to, to get caught up in trying to explain why God healed one person and didn't heal the other person. Like I, I can't wrap my head around that. And I don't know. I know that it was the will of God for both of them to be healed. Because that's what the Bible shows us. So I don't know why one got healed and one didn't. I don't know why that happens. But I can't allow my theology to be formed or to be dictated based on what didn't happen. I've got to form my theology based on the teaching of God's word. And so he says, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Uh, I mean, that's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one for me to wrap my head around because it's like, Okay, so the challenges are coming my way. There's trials, there's conflicts, there's pain, there's difficulty, there's whatever's going on. But you're calling me, you're inviting me into this thing. You're inviting me to change the way that I think about this. You're inviting me to change the way that I see this, to change the way that this thing influences me, that influences the way that I think and the way that I behave and the way that I respond. And so I think that this is a real attitude of the heart kind of an issue. And I think one of the things that really helps this more than anything else is that attitude of gratefulness, that attitude of thanksgiving, that thankfulness. When we live in that place of thankfulness before the Lord, even when we're in the midst of something that's really, really difficult, what that does is it elevates our thinking, it elevates our perspective just out of the muck and the mire that we're in, what we're seeing with our own eyes right in front of us. It elevates us out of that and, and allows us to put our faith and our hope and our confidence in a higher reality. Because otherwise, if, <clears throat> look, if I'm only happy and I'm only rejoicing and I'm only worshiping and I'm only joyful when everything is great, like, <laughs> that doesn't really require a whole lot of me. So then like if everything's great and I'm joyful and then things begin to fall apart and now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm mad at God or whatever, then what am I doing? Effectively, what I'm doing is I'm, I, I'm determining the, the attitude of my heart based on my circumstances. And effectively what I'm doing is I'm I'm saying, God, I'm only going to give you my worship. I'm only going to give you my heart. I'm only going to direct my praise to you when everything in my life is going right. And if anything, it's always essential, but if anything, it's even more essential for me when I'm in that place of difficulty or conflict or pain. It's in that place that I, I really, like, like God is always worthy of my praise no matter what I'm going through, but it's in that place where for me, 
it's so much more, I don't want to say meaningful because it's always meaningful, but it's just, it's so much more essential for me in that place to lift up my eyes out of the circumstances, beyond the circumstances that I'm in, to look at God and to recognize, God, I'm I'm not, um, I'm not joyful and, and, and I'm not directing my, my, the attitude of my heart toward you just because I feel like everything is great, but I'm doing this because you are good, because you are worthy. And when I allow the goodness of God and the worthiness of God to dictate the direction of my life, rather than allowing the circumstances of my life to determine the level of my praise, then I actually get to experience what he's talking about here, where something good is produced in me in the the midst of this process, in the midst of these circumstances that I really don't like. And so, look, our attitude is so essential. If we want to go and advance toward the promises of God for our lives, like, we've got to guard our attitude. We've got to guard our heart. Because I, I just think, I think it's so easy for us to fall into that place of, well, things are disrupted and things are not going right. So we shift the way that we start thinking about God or we start shifting the way that we think about how good he is. And it's like, no, no, no. That is first and foremost, the goodness of God is the foundation for my life. He is always good. He is always faithful. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Yeah, but my circumstances are saying this. Yeah, okay, but this is the foundation for my life. My circumstances cannot set the foundation for my life because they shift all the time. But God does not change. And his promises never fail. And so if he promises that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me, and if his word tells me that he is always good and that he is always faithful and he cannot deny himself, then I've got to anchor my hope and I've got to anchor my heart to that reality. This is who God is. This is what his word says. And so I stand upon the solid foundation of the word and of the promises of God, even if it's contrary to what my present circumstances are telling me. I think a lot of this is, it comes down to our attitude. A lot of this comes down to the attitude of our heart. Now, I think that the words that we say are really, really important. And I think that when we begin to speak negatively, we begin to, you know, whether we're talking about speaking outwardly or the internal dialogue that we have, because I think the internal dialogue is even worse because we talk to ourselves a lot more than like internally. We talk to ourselves a lot more daily than we talk out loud. We probably say a lot more internal words than we say out loud words. And I don't even think it's close. And so we've got to learn how to kind of bring that under control, to kind of bring that under the under submission to the authority of Jesus. Uh, and I don't mean that in a way that should be condemning to anybody or anything like that. I just mean, like, if our internal conversation is always or, or, or very often skewing negatively, we've got to change the thing that we're meditating on. We've got to change the thing that we're thinking about. So a lot of that becomes becoming conscious about the things that we're saying. 
the things that we're saying out loud, that's probably the low hanging fruit, even though it's not saying that that's easy or anything, but it's probably the low hanging fruit because it's easier to spot. I think when we say something out of our mouth, it's kind of easier to spot the, the attitude behind it. Now, maybe not in the moment, but at least later on, we can come back and be like, oh yeah, I said that I, that came out of an emotion that, uh, you know, I was dealing with something and I shouldn't have said that or somebody else could even call us on it or whatever. So it's like correcting that, correcting the words that come out of our mouth is really important for our attitude. But it's also that internal kind of stuff that's like always going on, especially like when we're alone, when there's not other people around and we're just thinking and how I think that we can often just be so negative with ourselves. We can be so condemning to ourselves when you get into such a bad attitude. Like, yeah, like, like I don't know about you, but I, I say some pretty bad things in my head, often directed at myself or whatever. And it's like, I, I, I've got to learn how to bring those thoughts captive as Second Corinthians chapter uh, 10 says, got to learn how to bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Say, hold on. You do not belong here. This thought does not belong here. And it may be a thought pattern that that we've been living under forever, for a long time, for years. It may be the normal, quote unquote, way that our mind thinks. But just because it's the way that we've become accustomed to thinking doesn't mean that it's who we are. It doesn't mean that it's the way that we're supposed to think. Because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and God has given you the tools necessary to think differently, to think the way that he thinks. And this often begins with becoming very, very intentional about recognizing, hold on, that is a thought pattern, or that's a way of speaking, or that's a way of thinking that is not aligning with the will of God for my life. It's not aligning with the way that God thinks. It's not aligning with the way that God thinks about me, about my situation, about my circumstances or whatever. And so it's watching, guarding our hearts to just be on the lookout for those, those attitudes because those attitudes will begin to lead us. Like the problem with an attitude is that an attitude leads you toward behavior. And so if you want to correct your behavior, I think you want to correct your attitude. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a reason why you keep sinning. <laughs> there's a reason why you keep doing those things that you're doing. There's a reason why you keep hurting yourself or hurting other people. There's a reason why you keep procrastinating. There's a reason why um, you've, you're dealing with that uh, addiction in your life or whatever it might be. There's a reason why. And so let's find out because oftentimes there's something going on there that's more internal that needs to be shifted. And a lot of times it just, it comes down to this like what is my what is my heart attitude here? Am I allowing the circumstances of my life to dictate the direction of my life or am I patterning my mindset and my thinking according to the way that God sees these circumstances, according to the way that God uh, thinks. 
I want to let me go to one more verse here. Let me read this one. Psalm 103. Psalm 103, David writes, <laughs> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Then he keeps going and he's saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, for getting out all his benefits. It, it, it's interesting to me that David here is talking to himself. He's saying, oh, my soul. He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to the internal part of himself that has to deal with his emotions, his mindset, that has to do with his way of thinking, his way of reasoning, his way of perceiving things. It's that all that just internal working of our, of our thought process or whatever you want to call it. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord, bless the Lord the Lord of my soul, forget not all his benefits. He's reminding himself. He's reminding himself. He begins to list specific things. He forgives your iniquities. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things. Like he begins to mention specific things and he's reminding himself. Why? I imagine he's reminding himself because in this moment, his thinking is out of whack. I would imagine that he's doing this because he needs it. And oftentimes I think that, you know, we're looking at our lives, we're looking at our circumstances, we're looking at our problems and challenges, and we kind of get this like blame. We take this blame game approach where we start looking at things. We could even start pointing our finger at God and saying, God, why are you not doing this and whatever? And I just think that so often the, the, the solution, not necessarily the solution to the, the challenge, but the solution to our mindset is let me, let me take some responsibility here because God is not forcing me to think the way that I'm thinking about those problems. God is not implanting these negatives emo these negative emotions within me no that's all me that's all me that's all me responding to this thing the way that i'm responding like i can't always control yeah <laughs> i can't control what other people do to me i can't control what the devil does to me i can't control there's certain things that i just cannot control but you know what I can always control? I can control the way that I respond. That's called attitude. I can control the way that I respond to those challenges that come my way. And I'll tell you, like, nothing just pisses off the enemy more than when he throws this great big problem, this great big conflict at you, and you just don't even give him the time of day. You just continue standing in your confidence in Jesus because he wants so badly to derail you, to get you out of peace, to get you out of that place of joy, to get you doubting God, to get you doubting yourself or whatever. Like he wants so bad to just get you disconnected because it's all he's got. It's all he's got. He's already lost. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have a shot at victory. All he can do is lie to you and manipulate. So like when you just keep walking and you just recognize in that moment, you dig your feet into the ground 
and you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to lose my stability. I'm not going to lose my position of peace. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to give up my joy. I'm not going to exchange this joy that comes from my heavenly father, that comes from being united with God in Christ Jesus, that comes from the fact that he is always good and he is always faithful. I'm not going to exchange that for a lie that says that he's less good now because my circumstances just got worse. And so I just keep walking like that. Just it, it just brings so much. It, it, it brings remembrance of destruction to the mind of the enemy. When you stand your ground and you stand in faith, when something is coming at you that otherwise should bring you into fear and you just stand your ground, you maintain your position of just awe and wonder of who God is. Like when, when he is the source, when he is the reason, as Paul writes, that we live and that we move and that we have our being, and we really live that out. It's like, you can do anything you want to me. And it's not that it's not going to affect me. And it's not that it's not going to make me feel bad. And it's not that it's not going to affect my emotions and hurt me. It's not that because I'm not like a robot. I'm a real person. <laughs> so it's not that it's not going to have any effect on me. But it's not going to derail me. It's not going to cause me to reject God. It's not going to cause me to deny that he's good, to deny that he's faithful. It's not going to cause me to quit and turn back. Why? Because this trajectory that I'm on in my life, it's not, it's not circumstantial. So my circumstances can't undo it. It's based on what God has said. It's based on what God has showed me. And ultimately, it's based on who he is. And he does not change. So I love what David says here. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And he's like, there's nothing in me that I'm letting off the hook with this. So like, it, if, if you've got, because maybe you've got anger in you, maybe you're frustrated because things didn't go so well last year or for the past decade or whatever, like maybe there's frustration, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're fearful, maybe you're anxious, maybe you are uh, dealing with just all kinds of things, whatever it could be. It's like all of that stuff. It's like, no, this thing, this thing that I'm feeling, this thing that I'm carrying, this thing that is, that's got me frustrated, that's gotten me beat down or whatever it is that I'm feeling, this thing... I'm going to bring this thing to the Lord and I'm going to make this thing bless the name of Jesus. Why? Because he does not change. He's worthy of my praise. He's just as worthy of my praise when everything is amazing. And he's just as worthy of my praise when everything is falling apart. He is worthy of my praise. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. So it's not helpful. Again, I don't think it's helpful for us to deny or to pretend that we're not struggling with something. I don't think it's helpful to pretend that we're not fearful, that we're not in pain, that we're not depressed. I don't think it's helpful to, to just pretend. But I do think that what David is saying here is really, really helpful, that with whatever those things are, I can bring those things to the feet of Jesus, and I can bless his name anyway, because he is so worthy. And even if I don't feel like it, I can bring a sacrifice of praise. And even if I don't feel like it, I can give him praise because he's worthy 
regardless of how I feel. And that will begin to shift my attitude. And, and, and again, peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. Jesus is your peace. And so when you come to him in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing, even if you don't feel like it, even if it hurts, but you come to him in that place, he, he's the one who sets everything at one again, who's able to restore you to, the, to that place of peace, the kind of peace that God gives, the kind of peace that goes beyond your understanding, that goes beyond your comprehension because it's the nature of who he is. And so as we, uh, you know, we've, we've stepped into this new year together and I just felt like I wanted to share some thoughts and share my heart and just encourage anybody watching or listening to say our attitude really matters. Like if we really want to accomplish the things that God has, that God has for us in this year, in any year, our, our attitude matters. The way that we respond to conflict matters. The way that we respond to challenges matters. And I'm not talking about, again, that momentary kind of whatever, that momentary angst, that momentary fear, that momentary whatever. But we do need to learn to partner with the Spirit of God and to not partner with those things, with to partner with fear, to partner with that lack of peace. Because that will just lead us into a spiral that, it just it just gets out of hand. It can get out of hand quick. And so I just I, I want to encourage you to 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 guard your heart in this season that you're in. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever it is that you're going through or not going through, um, I encourage you to to guard your heart, to pay attention to those things, to pay attention to those attitudes that are coming up. Look, I like I recognize in me, like I I can get into a really crappy attitude, a really bad mindset. I can I can get there very very easily and i can just stay there like that's something in me that 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 i've got to be intentional about working through i've got to be intentional about hold on like i i'm not going to stay in this place this is not worth it i'm not going to stay in this place because god has created me for more than this and because this is not who i am this is not who i am because i've been brought into this place positionally in the heart of God. I'm one with God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm united with God in Christ. And so it's his nature that I, I want just overtaking me and impacting my life and transforming me from the inside out more and more. And that happens as I choose to partner with his way of thinking instead of the same old whatever way of thinking that maybe I've grown accustomed to. I want to begin to shift that so that I can um, really walk with him fully and experience fully his freedom that he has for me. Just one, one more verse because I just love it. Probably say this like all the time, but Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And it's this invitation where, again, you and I, we've been positionally set up in righteousness, where we are in right standing with God because of what he's done for us, not because of what we did or do or whatever. It's based on his finished works. It's based on this incredible relationship that he's invited us into. 
and we've received him. That's all we did. We just received it. We received him. We received his grace. We received his free gift of salvation and eternal life. That's all we did. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't do anything to measure up for it. We just received it. And we received it freely and fully. When you receive Jesus, you receive all of Jesus. Not provisional, not a trial period. You're not on probation until you prove yourself. You received all of him. But now as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. It's this invitation of God to walk in his precepts, to walk in this freedom that he's so freely given to us so that we can experience his presence and experience his goodness and experience his joy here on the earth. So you've received Christ. So I just encourage you, walk in him. Walk in him daily. Walk in his grace. Walk in his freedom. Walk in his abundance. Walk in his joy. And you're going to be so tempted, like often, to just allow things to derail you, to derail you in your thinking, to distract you, to get you off target, to get you angry and frustrated and cussing people out and whatever else. But it's like, choose. This is a choice that we've got to make day by day, moment by moment to, to make to say, I've received Christ, so I'm going to walk in him. So bless you guys. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me, for being a part of this I appreciate you guys uh, so, so very much. Happy New Year to you. Happy Merry, Merry Belated Christmas and all that good stuff. I'm telling you guys, I have some amazing stuff coming out uh, in the days ahead. So get subscribed to the Real Live Talk on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts or on the YouTube channel or on the Facebook page or whatever. Get subscribed because you don't want to miss uh, some of the stuff that's going to be coming out. It's going to be amazing. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, bless you guys. Hope you have an awesome uh, rest of your day, week, month, year, life, all of it. And I hope to see you in a future episode.